Welcome to church. What great worship. The name of Jesus. New York Times uh, writer Patricia Maisie wrote about the <clears throat> a story uh, about uh, the hurricane that hit just several weeks ago. And uh, as they built their dream house last year on the shimmering sands of the Gulf of Mexico, Russell King and his nephew, Dr. Lebron, Lackey painstakingly documented every detail uh, of the elevated construction from the 40-foot pilings buried in the ground to the types of screws that they used <clears throat> in the walls, picked uh, uh, salt-tolerant species of plants and so forth, and then they named uh, their beauty Sand Palace of Mexico Beach. They also installed an outdoor security camera, and it was the footage that became the only view that they had uh, as Hurricane Michael come raring through. The camera showed the horrifying tunnel of gray fury worsening as, uh, as it came through 400 miles away. He was watching the camera uh, from Franklin, Tennessee. He said that the, the, it would buck uh, like an airplane wing. And he was expecting it to tear off. He just expected it to just be blown to smithereens. But it didn't. When the New York Times published uh, analysis, the aerial images, and I think you're seeing some of that, a mile-long stretch of Mexico Peach where uh, at least three-quarters of the buildings were damaged. And Dr. Lackey saw his sand palace standing majestic amid the apocalyptic wreckage. He says this, he said, we wanted to build it for the big one. We just never knew we would find the big one so fast. The story of how the sand palace made it through Michael was, while most of its neighbors collapsed in one of building uh, of the hurricane-prone Florida, was basically due to some of the, their rebellion or their extra additives to the Florida regulations for building. They are on the panhandle side, and most of the regulations are, are based upon the Miami-Dade and, and the, the Atlantic side. The Panhandle counties, they, they don't have this, this strict restriction, uh, uh, restrictions. And so when they built, uh, they were only required to do 120 to 150 mile an hour winds. And they prepared for 250 mile an hour winds. Now they wouldn't uh, disclose how much the building cost uh, but their, uh, their architect said it easily doubled the price to prepare their, their, their house. Now, they, uh, they fashioned and poured concrete reinforced by steel cables, rebar, with additional concrete bolstering on the corners of the house. The space underneath the roof was minimized so that wind could not sneak in underneath and lift it off. The home's elevation on high pilings was meant to keep it above the surge of the seawater that usually accompanies powerful hurricanes. He says this, Dr. Lackey says, we're thinking that we need to build a house that will survive for generations. When we see just the devastation of Hurricane Michael, they, they did their job. They accomplished the feat. Just uh, one hole and a little bit of rain damage. And that's what they were left with. When we look at strong families and building a family that's strong, 
we don't know when the storms are coming. We can prepare our very best, and yet sometimes we are rattled in our faith. What makes a strong family is really understanding and really analyzing what God's intention is for us. Oh, the storms come, yet God's blessing, he desires to pour out his blessings on us. And in that, in his favor, he desires for us to weather these storms. He knows we're going to experience them. He knows we'll create them. He knows that what strengthens us is how we allow ourselves to stand firm in faith and not forget him. Jesus, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, said it this way. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 20. <clears throat> Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but is the diseased tree that bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can an a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On the, on the day many will come to say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and was a great fall at that. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, is really, he comes onto the scene, they even say right after that verse, it says that they were in awe, they were all struck by him, and, and the power of his teaching, that he was like none of their other teachers. We realize this side of the cross and this side of the resurrection that we, we can shout out the name of Jesus because we can get it. Where they were getting the aha moments in, in sequence of time after the resurrection, we have the full canon of Scripture. We, can, uh, we have at our access the, the very words of God to really help us know him and what he desires of us. Jesus comes onto the scene, and these are very tense words. These are pensive words from Jesus. These are some of those passages that are difficult to understand. Nonetheless, he is there to pour out a blessing. He is desiring for his followers, those of us that are here, every family that's represented, no matter how your family is defined, he desires for our focus to be solely on him and allow us to be receiving his blessing. 
Matter of fact, he starts the Sermon on the Mount as, blessed are the poor in spirit. He gives these, these blessings that, that don't really seem to make sense at first hearing. But when you understand Jesus and you understand the power of our Father desiring to bring us along and have a redemptive relationship with us, being bought back by the Son, He desires and He calls on us and He draws us to Himself constantly. Those of us that have been in the faith for a while, we know that we can go as far as we think we can, yet the Father is always desiring to have us come back. The storms of life can scatter and shatter many things, and Jesus knows that. As a matter of fact, the storms that he's talking about specifically in this passage is he says there's going to be uh, always, no matter where your family is, no matter who your family is, no matter how your family is defined, through the generations, there are going to be a, there's going to be a wide road and a narrow road. And the narrow road is the way of blessing. Narrow road is you've got your, you're centered. You are centered on the Father. You are giving thanks and worship to the Son, and the Spirit gives you the constant ability to do that as He's fashioning us into the likeness of Christ. There's blessing there. See, strong families understand that level of blessing. Do storms come? Obviously. But yet it's what helps us stand strong is knowing the knowing that God's blessing is poured out on us and over us and through us through the storm. So Jesus says there's a storm that says, listen, the world is going to tell you. The world's going to tell you that there are many ways to God. And Jesus says, no. And they're going to have many voices. There are going to be many teachers. There are going to be philosophers and professors and, and, and well-meaning family members. There, there's going to be a broad spectrum of wisdom, quote-unquote. But true wisdom and true knowledge is the narrow way. It's hard. It's hard. Faith is hard. You're going to need me. You're going to need the Spirit. You're going to need us. It's a, it's a, it's a, a relationship. We know what situation you're in. That's why I'm explaining it. But you have us. And the mighty name, as we praised earlier, the mighty name of Christ is what brings us through. And then he says something very, very uh, controversial to the ears. Is that some of you on that day, now he's speaking of that glorious day when this messy life is over and the true day of redemption uh, is here. And we celebrate with our bridegroom. He says, on that day, some of you will come and say, Lord, Lord. Now that's a, that's a typical Hebraic way of making it, you know, of importance. When you've sat down with your kids or maybe even your spouse, there were times where it gets intimate. Whether you are confronting or you are, are being intimate, you might say your child's name twice. I might look at Pamela and say, Pamela, Pamela. Say, Emma, Emma. He says, some of you are going to come and you're going to say, Lord, Lord, but here's the controversy. Here's the tension. Not all of you will be there because you have not allowed yourself to be driven by the blessing of God. You have been distracted by all the things, all the voices. And I might not have even known you to begin with. Jesus ends his sermon that way. But yet, what did they say? They said, 
His teaching amazes us. This is amazing. He's not like any of other teachers. You see, Jesus comes onto the scene with the Sermon on the Mount and says, listen, you want your family strong? Acknowledge your poor in spirit. Acknowledge your mourning. You're not going to have it perfect. Allow us to partner with you and receive and experience the blessing of maturity. You don't mature through anything without a stretch or friction or growing pains. You're going to experience these things. But he says in the Sermon on the Mount, I've never left you nor forsaken you. I have made a way. It may be tough at times, but that's the blessing. You have me. You have us. And what we see in the Sermon on the Mount is that he tells families, it's like he teaches them deeper. And I think that was the beauty of what he did and what probably got his, his renown as a great teacher in the early stages because he really sounds like he's talking about the Ten Commandments. But what he did was he took the blessing deeper. You see, when we look at the Old Testament, <clears throat> sometimes we say, well, that's the angry God and Jesus is like the happy God. But what we learn of the Father in the Old Testament is that he was always a father of love. He's always a father of blessing. He could not wait to bless his, his people. They just didn't always listen. And so they would get themselves in cycles of sin, cycles of slavery, and, and he would come along and save them, right? And so families that are allow themselves to focus, they'll be blessed. Matter of fact, the Ten Commandments that Jesus now says, listen, you've heard it's been said, but I say unto you, oh, they were adding to it, they had loopholes, it was, a, it was kind of a, a mess for those that were kind of teaching. But Jesus was taking the blessings deeper. He says, and some of you have heard it said this way. I think for us, we say things to our kids, we say things to our family members, our close friends, even our work associates, if it's, it gets that level of relationship, we bring a truth in. Sometimes we reprimand our children. I don't think most of us sitting in here uh, reprimand our children and like it. We don't desire to just give them a commandment. You see, we read the Ten Commandments as thou shalt not, right? So let's review. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourselves idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that is your neighbor's. Now, that is an abbreviated version of those. There are more words that define uh, three, three or four of them. But what we desire as families and growing strong in families, God says, listen, this, this moral code is, is, is still relevant. It, it is what the Father said to those. He says, listen, I am the Lord your God. I'm the one that rescued you out of Egypt. Wouldn't that be enough to praise me? Wouldn't that be enough to listen to me? Wouldn't that be enough to kind of know that I desire to pour out blessing on you? Hello? I know that there's several parents in this place, including one that's talking right now, that you go, hello to your kids. You're just like, right? And you have to put the thou shalt not. If they don't get it or they take advantage of the grace or whatever, 
then we look at the Ten Commandments as thou shalt not. But I would say we can reframe it because Jesus reframed it to say, listen, God the Father desires to pour out massive blessing unto you. He desires to mature you beyond your, your wildest dreams, your imagination. What you get to do in staying strong is stick with it. Stick to it. Let these guideposts take you through your life and watch the blessings flow. If we look at them as a rebellious child, we'll go, well, thou shalt not. That's what I don't like about religion. That's what I don't like about the church. And all they do is tell you what to do and what not to do. I the very same thing. I would still love for you to fall in love with my Jesus. Because my Jesus is a, is a man of blessing. He's the one who redeems us. He's the one who saved you. He's the one that's giving you the ultimate opportunity to fill you with the Spirit so that these guideposts become measurements of blessing as opposed to a thou shalt not. You see, I like to suggest that these 10 are an opportunity for us to really use an application of of a, of, a, of a guide, of an evaluative process. We can look at these and begin to say, yes, I'm, I'm actually experiencing blessing because, you know, I'm not trying to be prideful, but God, you and I were rocking on this one. I get this. And he says, that's exactly right, my son, just like we do with our kids. We discipline them, we ground them, we give them the rule, we remind them of the rule, and when they do well, we pour out blessing. We don't stop blessing our children. And that's the same way with the Heavenly Father. So he says, one God per family, please. You want a strong family? Have one God in your system. There is all kinds of, of, of voices. Jesus said that. God even knew that. The Father, Jehovah, knew that. And I don't really have to really overtalk this, but just in case, we realize that there are wide varieties and what we would suggest to you in the tenderness and the kindness and the grace and the mercy of of our of our god we would say that i think we have the god that allows you to truly be forgiven one that you don't have to work like the dickens to try to please he already sees you as pleasing he knows that you've sinned he knows that you've darkened your understanding to things he knows your rebellion. He knows that you believe that you already don't need him. But that will never take the love from the Father away from you. And he offers you salvation through his Son. Oh, there will be the day, there will come that day, when those that have said, Lord, Lord, they thought they were in, he knew they were out. But you don't have to be left. You see, that's the, the gospel. There's one God who's absolutely in love with you, who wants you to repent of your sin, who wants to get you out of cycles of sin so that you can truly understand what it means to be saved. Not saved in some churchy language, but that you can look at brothers and sisters in this place and go, man, I know what it means to be saved. My testimony is that I got away from myself. You see, that leads naturally into the next. To not make gods. Don't make idols. Now, we don't necessarily get into graven images. We don't necessarily make these things. But some of the things that we can do for our families to, to make them blessed 
is really look at what time we spend. Where's our money being spent? What's our, what's our focus? Where, where are our goals? What, what is it? What is, this? is it based on objects or is it based on, on God? And many of us have felt like we've not gotten the blessing because we're sort of paying off the debt of running ahead of God because we've objectified something. We've coveted something or we've made a God of our own making. And God says, listen, I'm jealous for you. i never forget when Caroline, the, the one who's probably been 40 since she was born, uh, asked us, asked me, well, jealous is bad, isn't it? And I'm like, do you want to go to Dairy Queen? I mean, he's jealous for us. And kids ask these questions because negative words, you know, God, he desires to be the one and only, just like in our relationships. Husband and wife, one and only. What's in a name? Excuse me, learning family worship. You see, not only does he say, you know, one and only, I want to be your one and only, get away from all these distractions and all of these self-made, uh, you know, gods that are in your life and allow yourself to, to worship. Allow yourself to keep an understanding of, of who I am. Allow yourself to be blessed by my very presence. Allow yourself to be at every opportunity to worship. Create these worship times in your family. Allow yourself to, to know that when you're singing on Sunday morning that you've, you're, you're really just living on what you've been praising all week. And we praise through the storms and we praise through the good times. See, God loves our praise. Because that leads us into the center and the focus of our worship. What's in a name? Oh, some would say, Lord, Lord. Today we focused in our worship on the name of Jesus. You see, if we minimize that name, then we minimize our theology. We minimize our theology, then it gets us more into trying to figure out faith at our level, and then we end up having faith in our own faith to what we desire to really truly believe in God. And at that point, we've stopped an opportunity for him to continue to bless us and we get stuck. Now, he would rather us know that Jesus' name is that powerful, that it is at that name healing can happen. It is at that name marriages can change. It's at that name people can change. It's at that name we are truly forgiven. It's at that name we, get, we can get rid of our guilt and shame. We can get into a new habits knowing that that name means something. What's interesting is don't use that name in vain is what we were raised with. And it's true because that's what the text says. That word vain is, is meaningless. It's, it comes actually from describing a storm, a storm you can't predict. It's kind of squirrely. It could come in here, and I never knew that. In the Midwest, it rained. You just knew it was going to rain all day. You move to the desert, and you're like, where's the rain? There's a storm. There come. Oh, there's the rain, and now it's gone. That's what he's describing about our ability to rest in the fact that he does not want us squirrely. He does not want our faith 
to just be like a storm that's unpredictable. He desires for us to be solid and steady. And when we're solid and steady, we begin to see. He changes our viewpoint of being able to see blessing. He desires for us to rest. Take a Sabbath. I'm pretty busy. I don't know about y'all. Just seems like everything is going. We just go, go, go. Even in the life of the church, we can go, 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 can't we? It's all good. But even with all of that, God says, I want you to take a time. I want you to take a time. Now, this is not the sermon to debate where the Sabbath is, as much as to say, if you want strength in your families, you got to look at one another and go, do we need to slow down? Do we need to cut something or edit something? Or do we like, you know, we, we don't stop doing ball games and dance and, you know, we don't stop those things because we've made a commitment to it. I think God would say, oh, I would love for you to experience my blessing by setting the discipline to say, no, this is, this is our time. And what we see with little kids and with our families is that's when the power of play comes in. And we talked about that three weeks ago. That's when you say, listen, there is no homework. There's no work. You take your mind, you set your mind aside, and you do something together. That's why we say families, it's important to just, to just be at church, to just come, give it an hour, serve an hour, give, give it two hours, set it down, get it in, make it holy writ for your family. Why? Because the kids are being exposed, you're being exposed, you're getting learning, you're teaching, you're worshiping, you're communing with one another. See, the beautiful thing about the Lord's Day is that the church began to commune. They, that's all they had was each other. And in, in the early days of the church, it wasn't so sophisticated. It wasn't so complicated. People spent time together. And in that time, it was a wonderful, wonderful Sabbath. And they ate dinner. And then what does it say? They communed and they remembered the very death of Jesus through communion. You see, Sabbath rest is important. Honor each other. It says honor mother and father. But for the sake of, 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 of stretching the application for families, the strength of our families is really for each of us, as the Apostle Paul said, is to kind of own up to our own submission. How are we loving? You see, I can easily quote a passage, right? I can easily say, well, you're supposed to honor, honor mother and father. But guys and ladies... There's the other side of this too. God would say, listen, you are missing out on the blessing because you're not honoring your family. You have not, you have not lived out the life to receive honor. We can't put on to them that which they cannot pull off because you haven't presented them. And I think the Apostle Paul touches on that with the exasperation passage. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. I think the easiest way to know that your family is strong is that each and every one of us look at one another in our families, in our church families, and go, I want to honor him. I want to honor her. I want to be everything I can be for her, for him, for them. And in our own families, we can honor one another. And it's amazing how the blessings of your children Oh, we're going to get to them here in just a second. But right there, when you are doing what you're supposed to do as the leader of your home and the leaders of the home, 
It's amazing how God pours out that, that blessing of knowing, yeah, am I perfect? No. And man, we're moving on to perfection. And you just watch God pour in. You see, what happens is sometimes we are, we, we, we're, we're in a secret life, and in that secret life, we don't even realize God knows what's happening, and it prohibits blessing. Oh, he'll let us fool ourselves. Man, as long as there's money in the bank, we think we're blessed by God. As long as, you know, this, as long as that. And it's all that stuff that's sort of like the second, the second commandment. We, as long as our idols are okay, we're okay. But God is saying, no, it's deeper than that. It's always been deeper than that. You may not be, feel like you're being honored because you've got your own habits that you've got to square up. Square up with me. I've not left you. I'm not forsaken you. I've given, my, given you my spirit. You can be a better man at this very moment. You can be a better woman at this very moment. I pray in the spirit right now that you are praying in the spirit right now that you want to be better. Oh, we've made the deals with God, but he says, listen, honor me and you will be honored. Have you made mistakes? Absolutely. Square up with me. I'm ready to square up. I'm ready to pour out the blessing so that you can get you, so I can get you. We'll partner together to get you where you need to be. Honor. Choose life, right? Murder, abortion, all of those things, right? They're all identifying as life. But let me just suggest to us also that in our families, pouring out blessing means that we just bring everything to life. We bring everything. We choose, to, we choose life at every category. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, you know, you're talking about murder. I'm talking about in your heart. Jesus, what he, Jesus takes all of these and just makes them a matter of the heart, looks us dead in the eye and goes, I want you better. I desire for you to better. I want you to, I want you to experience the blessing like you've never experienced before. Just look and choose life. And then he moves on. He says, choose purity. I think we're all adults in here. I don't have to do a lot of commentary, but some of us are not choosing that purity. It doesn't just stop at adultery. What did Jesus say? Jesus didn't matter of the heart and really ripped on us guys, right? I, I, I'm like, okay, thank you. If you've even looked upon a woman, holy cow, stop this. This is crazy. And Jesus says, remember what I said, the road is hard. The road is hard, but it is insurmountable blessing and you're not doing it alone. As a matter of fact, it's not even about you. It's about you showing up and being, being in partnership and relationship with me. And you watch the blessings flow. Choose honesty. Stop stealing. Stop stealing. Stop stealing time. Stop stealing money. Stop stealing. Stealing everything. Get your priorities right. Allow me to pour out. As a matter of fact, make it a, such a habit that it's just you. And it blows you away. Because you knew that you were stealing. Steal no more. Faithful witness. Man, our families will constantly experience true blessing in relationships if we just stop, as the scripture says, bear false witness. Man, if we can just true, choose, and, and let me just tell you, I, I know we got some, some folk that, uh, all of our youth group kids are at camp. 
and they're on a special Jesus weekend. And so we just continue to pray that, that the Lord pours out upon them. But what happens with my kids is they got friends in this group and friends in this group. They got this mutual group thing. And then this, this kid doesn't like this kid. And they start saying bad things. And I know my two girls are just going, Connor just would kind of tell it. He's kind of bold that way. Don't talk about my friend that way because I still like you. That's Connor's approach. The girls are going, this is so hard. I go, yeah, I know. But what we don't do, what we don't do in this family, and what we don't do because of God's family, is allow ourselves to slip into just getting in these little gossip cesspools. Because you don't want your friend, you don't want your friend to even think or know that you've been a part of that. And so it's tough, but you, you go ahead and set your boundary. And we work on scripts and all that stuff to how they pull it off. But, oh, don't we need that in the adult realm too? In the big youth group, right? God says, listen, stop all this. All you're doing is projecting. I mean, just remember the Apostle Paul and Peter, they're, 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 like, they're like, speak well of one another, do these things, and, and you know, speak the truth in love. I mean, there's truth, there's ugliness, there, there are truths about everybody's quirky personality. But man, don't take it to a level to where it deteriorates. Allow yourself to be a faithful witness. And then the last one for families. And I think the last one can sometimes be as tough as the first because it's so related to one God only, and that is coveting, right? Don't covet your neighbor's anything. Be satisfied. Really? That's what you're asking me to be? Satisfied? Paul used content in all circumstances? And I'm telling you what, in the American church, this is, this is a tough one for all of us. Man, we'll all get hypertension. But I think he'll bring us through. And I think his blessings will come through for us if we can just learn to be satisfied. Sometimes our go, 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 going is for something that really doesn't mean anything, especially to the kingdom. Remember, Jesus is the one that said, Oh, remember, you're going to say, Lord, Lord, we did this and this and this and this. And I just want you, I just want you, I just want you to be satisfied. And so that the name that we proclaim really is our all in all. That we mature to an unbelievable relationship to where we're completely satisfied in the one who's made satisfaction available. So Jesus takes the Ten Commandments and he makes them practical for families and, and he says it this way with my addition. Everyone, every family then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and, and beat at the house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. My prayer for us in strengthening our families and just holding to our resolves really comes from the words of Dr. Lackey 
May we build a house that will survive for generations. God, we love and thank you. Thank you for your word. Jesus, we are desperate for you. We desire you. We long for your presence. We thank you for your presence in this place today. We thank you for your spirit that nudges and prompts us to the action that we need. Father, I pray for every family that's represented and every family in this particular body of believers that you would make it our resolve to not just be ready for the little storms, but the big ones, and that we would be unshaken. And that you would increase our faith, and that through that increasing of faith, we could celebrate your very name. God, we love you. We thank you. And it's through Christ I pray. Amen.